This is a podcast from WSUM. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of WSUM, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sex Out Loud's podcast with WSUM. My name is Annie. I'm Bella. And I'm Jordan. And we are members of Sex Out Loud staff as program facilitators. Um, how are you guys doing today? I'm good. It's almost spring break. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm a little frazzled, but I'm good. I feel like that's Ugh, a good frazzled. word to describe Ugh, frazzled. how I feel. Mm. Frazzled. That is a good I feel word. like I get, I get that. It's just the last like little like push before yeah. like having to like, check all those boxes before going on break and everything. And is anyone like, going anywhere fun for break? Chicago. Yeah, me too. We're not we're not going together, no. but <laughs> I'm not invited to this. No, yeah, Jordan. We, I planned my trip I planned my trip so I didn't see Bella. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going? Minneapolis. Oh, oh fun. Yeah. Fun. Tonight. That should be fun. Yeah. I guess we'll just get into today's topic. Um but before we do that, um again I'm just gonna we're just gonna go over what sex out loud is. Um, for those who don't know, Sex Out Loud is UW-Madison's peer-to-peer sexual health resource. We offer a variety of different programs on sex as well as uh, free, safer sex supplies, uh, libraries full of different resources, and peer-to-peer counseling. Today, we're coming to you from WSUM, um, an organization that we are collaborating with to provide you all with information from our various programs we offer from the comfort of your own home. Um, each week, we'll answer questions about sexual health. Uh, then we'll come on this platform and, you know, talk about more in depth about the topic and the question that we presented on the radio. Uh, yeah. So today's question was related to STIs and specifically STIs on ca- uh, college campuses. Um, so that's what we're going to get into today and discuss, you know, the ins and outs of all of that. Yeah. So I guess we're talking about STIs. So our theme has kind of been consent. So a big part of that. Um, And our definition of consent is informed. So that's why we wanted to talk about STIs, because part of being informed, you know, we're making sure we're telling our partners about our STI status. Yeah. um, So first, we're just kind of going to we're going to go through um, a few of the most common types of STIs um, that occur on UW-Madison's campus. First, though, we also want to make a distinction when we talk about, like, STIs. You've probably also heard them referred to as STDs. Um, And we're kind of, like, moving away from the term STD, um, which would be sexually, sexually transmitted disease, and saying it as sexually transmitted infection, um, just because um, disease implies, like, that it can't well it implies like a few things but we like to say because most commonly these um stis like are actually not diseases and they like Mm -hmm. can be treated and cured and it's also to kind of get away from this like stigma of diseases um that we associate with it because stis like are very common Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah yeah i feel like i that our, our program actually jordan and i did last night jordan mentioned like you know it's kind of comparing it like if we can have like an ear infection or you know something like that like Mm -hmm. it's just another kind of infection that we can treat and we can you know take care of that um 
it's like, not something that's like diagnosed and it's just like part of your like identity necessarily um it can be but not not necessarily in most cases no. yeah and it doesn't have to be scary you know we can yeah. just like get treated and then carry on with our lives instead yeah. of like a chronic condition or disease something yeah i think disease has like a very like can be scary if that was like oh i have i got yeah. i got yeah someone like the doctor said i had an std got like it seems very scary um but yeah stds are really normal nothing to be scared of mm-hmm. yeah yeah so the four most common should we just go like one at one by one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it we, go can, right we can guess okay anyway. yeah, yeah we'll okay, okay. With a little game um so guys what is number one the most common sti at uw madison mm. what do Let we me think? think about that one <laughs> is it's chlamydia yeah, yeah. 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 It's chlamydia. yeah. i wasn't sure i, I, was, I, I wasn't sure who was gonna say it i know yeah. I feel like that is that generalizable to like, yeah. I'm just thinking. Remember the Timoth- Timothy Chalamet chlamydia story? What? Oh, like he spread chlamydia around at, um, at NYU. NYU. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Well, it's yeah. It's, it's talked about a lot. Yeah. It's very common. I think not even just UW Madison's campus. It's a very common STI that people will encounter. Right. Um, because it it is like it's pretty like um, it's con- it gets contagious. So it's it, and it's like. Like if you're exposed, if yeah. you're exposed, to it's like, like it's not develop. super hard to like, yeah. I, I okay. don't know how to say that any other way. That's something like scary that like you're gonna get chlamydia, but that's not the case <laughs> if we're using like methods, right? Like, barrier methods, but yeah, it's a pretty common thing that we can interact. We can interact with like you know, in a pretty common way yeah. as well. Um. So I guess what is chlamydia? Um. It is an STI, as we said. Um, it's bacterial, so it's it can be passed along through fluids. So this is why we want to use our barrier methods. Um, and it is curable. Some symptoms of chlamydia, um, itching and what was it? Is that a cupcake song? Or no, no, no. Itchy and scratchy. Itchy. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Stinky and fishy. <laughs> oh, my God. That one. I don't know that one, but I wish I wish I did. But you know, maybe you can. You're just spitting out the symptoms. Yeah, yeah. Agitating. I think. Um, Yeah, stinky and and fishy, itching and and burning. Um, (laughs) And some people say it's like peeing razors. So like really fun. But it's it can be asymptomatic as well. Um, And yeah, we can get tested for this at UHS. How how do we do that, guys? How do we do that? <laughs> well, um, we can go to HS and get a urine or a swab test. Um, and it's free testing for this infection. So if we just, like, we have to make an appointment, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. To go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's plenty. Of, there's a lot of appointments, though, open for that kind of testing because um, I believe from you know people i know who have gone in and everything that it's just they the, a nurse pretty much brings you in tells you to go into the bathroom do the swab do the urine test um what's needed and then you just place it into a little cabinet and then you'll typically get the results in like three or five days i would i would say mm-hmm. um right to your you know your, nice. your uhs account um but yeah, again i think too to know is that when we're getting tested for this if it's a urine test and a swab test there are specific instructions they give you to make sure it's an accurate test so you know if we're going to go get tested 
a UHS or even like Planned Parenthood or um, other se- sexual health resources within our communities. Just like make sure to take the time to listen, make sure we're doing the test properly so um, we don't, you know, get maybe a false negative and ends up, you know, sticking around for longer and making things more complicated. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then while we get tested, we should also be making sure to like remember using barrier methods. Um, mm-hmm. It's important because um, condoms like our barrier method that we recommend, they're 98% effective in presenting this, preventing this STI when used like correctly. There's obviously like some human error because like about two thirds of adults use them incorrectly actually. So that's another thing to like make sure that we're using these barrier methods correctly because they can be very effective at um, preventing the transmission of STIs. Yeah, and then if we do have it, it's pretty easy to treat. Mm-hmm. We just or to cure. Um, we just take an antibiotic. So this is like fifteen dollars with insurance. And I was looking at it the other day. I think like the generic brand of it is thirty without insurance. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. And then that's I think it said bad. like fifty for the brand name, but. I don't really know much about medication, but I think the generic works fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, we can take that. And then we're just, you know, we're not having sex for like seven to ten days so that we're not passing that along to anyone else and also taking care of ourselves. And, yeah, then the symptoms go away and we're, we're good. Yeah, I think another thing, I guess backing track a little bit to when you talk about the symptoms, we didn't want to note that. So actually, most of the time, chlamydia is asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. So this testing and these using barrier methods are pretty important because we may never know if we're in contact with it if we don't get tested or, um, you know, our partner doesn't tell us, things like that. And um, with it being asymptomatic, it can also be pretty dangerous if that it is. So again, stressing that we get tested using these methods um, because if it is left untreated, Uh, It can lead to infertility in extreme cases, um, and it actually is the leading cause of infertility in um, Americans with vaginas. Uh, So it's just something to note, um, not to be scary or anything like that, but just something to note that um, if that's something that we would like to prevent from happening or wanted to make sure we take care of that part of ourselves, um, if it's something that is going to affect our lives, you know, again, just go get that five-minute test right. or just, you know, pull out the condoms, pull out the receptive condoms and, you know, making sure we're using those barrier methods. Um, what is a receptive condom, Annie? Oh, so a receptive <laughs> condom is um, another type of barrier method that we talk about with Sex Out Loud. Um, it's, not, it's not super commonly talked about. I feel like I didn't really know about it until I joined Sex Out Loud. Um, but basically, it's... Um, I'm trying to think of how I can describe yeah. it, but it's like it's basically um, like it's a, like what like the receptive, it. yeah. So the, the receptive partner would be used. It's it can be. It's been called a female condom before, but we don't like to use yeah. that term because it's not very inclusive. Because it's like it's basically like if we think of what like most people think of as condoms, like what we call insertive condoms, like that would go on like a penis. It's like what the receptive partner is putting yeah. inside them so yeah could, like, that's the key it, yeah, it yeah. Goes, the, the the material which is polyurethane which is like it's non-latex material would be going on the inside yeah. of the partner mm-hmm. either vaginally um, or anally to make, create that barrier 
inside is like it's like an internal yeah um, barrier. yeah like and it can be used Almost in a vag- like i'm trying to describe what it looks like yeah like there's yeah. a little ring inside and then that one's i'm like doing something with my hands so <laughs> no one can see me um like closed and then just like a, a tube is that a good way to describe yeah, it yeah like we'll have a yeah picture. i feel like it looks like a larger insert of condom yeah. what that looks like but then there's yeah. a little ring at the bottom that we use to you know kind of place the the condom internally mm-hmm. it's just yeah. a little plastic it's just a little like rubber ring that just kind of kind of molds into our bodies a little bit yeah. and just like settles to you know keep it in there they're pretty cool though um yeah like we said they're kind of hard to find we have them at our office at the sack and then they also have them at planned parenthood but yeah. I think, well, why are they hard to find? They're prescription only, mm, yeah. sadly. Um, I think it's because, like, the receptive partner can, w- using these can, like, feel really in control of the contraception, so they can be great for sex workers, but they make them hard to get for that reason, because we as a society kind of hate sex workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely something that like I hope gets addressed. Yeah, within, like, yeah. Time because they're you know a great option and mm-hmm. the yeah. having access to them would be super cool for everyone to have like better access to them or even know about them more. Because yeah, I feel like some people don't know. I mean, I didn't no. before. Yeah, I, I'd, exactly. Like, heard of it, but I didn't really know. Yeah. Anything yeah. about it? Yeah. Yeah, but they're great to talk about with STIs because they are. Um, I believe, like hypothetically, they are more. Um, what's it called like they're better they're more protective when you're com- when talking about fluid um transmitted sdis like they're very protective in that sense um to prevent those so they're great to talk about specifically again with chlamydia which is like a fluid which is like a fluid you know transmitted infection so you know they're a great option um along with other berry methods insertive as well um to you know um prevent any any anything coming up or any infections happening you can talk about the second most common sti what Uh, is it guys oh um annie you want to take this one (laughs) oh it's me okay (laughs) um the second most common sti at uw madison's campus is molest? <laughs> I'm gonna. I this is. I don't want to pronounce it. This is a it. very <laughs> scientific word, so bear with us. Um, but it's molluscum contagiosum. Good job. So what it's, the it's, fuck it's, is that? it's a very fancy word. What'd you say? I said, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> uh, so basically, it's a small viral skin infection. Um, it can base. It can show itself as painless, dimpled sores on genitals. Um, it. We have to be, you know, careful with this STI um, and the way it transmits primarily is from skin to skin contact. It's very contagious. So, and this may come in different forms of skin to skin contact. We can get infected, uh, you know, through sexual activities, but also just through sharing towels at a gym, for example. So um, it's something to be definitely um, keep an eye out, making sure we can see these actual physical signs on our bodies that, you know, there might be something going on, something infection happening. Um, but these sores, they can that appear on these our bodies. They can be frozen off at clinics for clinic like co- cosmetic purposes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But they'll still the infection is technically still present 
and it will go away over time, um, typically around nine months. Um, but yeah, it's treatable though. So this is definitely one that's, um, it's not curable, but it's treatable. So that's why I would like, let's like, we like to say that the infection will still be present, but it will slowly go away over time. You won't have those sores or, you know, that feeling of infection forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can also get tested for this at UHS, for which free. is good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anything else about? No, I mean, it's a good one to talk about. I had never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. But it's the second most common. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, oh, and two, I guess I didn't add this before, um, that even though we, f- we can freeze these sores off, you just don't want to shave or pop the sores mm-hmm. or like, you know, fuck around with them or um, just touch like, you know, because uh, it could spread the infection to other parts of our bodies because it is really infectious uh, or contagious. I mean. So we don't want to, you know, we know, keep it localized for those nine months and yeah. make sure that, you know, if we want to get them frozen off, we can go and do that. But also just, you know, making sure, taking care of it, just, you mm-hmm. know, ha- handling it for that nine months and it will go away. Yes. A good barrier method to talk about with this one is dental dams. Yes. I saw yeah. that in our notes here. But um, basically these are sex dams are just like sheets of latex that we can drape over like any part of our body that we want to lick or our partner's body. Um, and they're great. Like we have these flavored ones. They're actually scented. I think we have like grape, like strawberry. Van- we vanilla, mm-hmm. yeah. strawberry, mint. mint. Yeah. Mint, yeah. So they're not like flavored in the sense that they have like sugars in them because we wouldn't want that if we're using it over like a vagina or an anus, but they're scented. So it kind of works the same way. I don't know. Someone might be better at explaining <laughs> that. Like, it's because like yeah, the scent is and your yeah. taste is like connected. Yeah, right. right. It's and like it's like if you're smelling something, it, it can give the illusion that we're tasting. Yeah, it. yeah. So come pick those up if you want them. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have ton in our office. I, we the have boxes packet, and boxes. Yeah. So. The package is cute. I think like, it's just, really yeah. cute. Yeah, I like the colors. They have good colors. Yeah, so. right really fun oh and we can also make our own mm-hmm. if we don't want to like if we don't have one or don't want to pick that up um we could cut like a condom we could cut a latex glove other things like um saran wrap but not press and seal because that's porous so we don't want to like use that on our bodies mm-hmm. it's not going to work as a great barrier method um yeah So what's the third most common STI at UW? Hmm. Do you want to take this one, Bella? <laughs> I'll throw it back sure, at you. This sure, time. yeah. It's not a fancy scientist. <laughs> here. Okay, I'm going to go with HPV. It's my final answer. That is a really good guess, Bella. Woo! And that is correct. Wow. Yes. Yay, I got it right. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, interesting fact about hpv is that it actually used to be the number one Mm. like the most common Mm. on campus but it got bumped down to number three because of its vaccine so um its vaccine called 
Is it gar- Gardasil? Yeah. Gardasil? Okay. Um, so HPV is a viral... It's, it's a virus that's passed through skin-to-skin contact, and it can often be um, asymptomatic, but we can also have symptoms of genital warts and potentially cancer, like cervical, vaginal, anal, throat, or penile cancer. And um, HPV, it's like an acronym, I guess you could say. <laughs> so it actually stands for uh, human papilloma virus. Um and like I said, it used to be the most common, but because of this vaccine um, that we have, the vaccine prevents the nine most common strains of HPV that can cause cervical cancer. Because you can get HPV and then oftentimes it can lead to this cancer. Um, mm-hmm. So this vaccine is like protecting against that. And the vaccine is recommended for people with both penises, for people with both penises and vaginas up to age 27. Um, and many of us may have the older vaccine that prevents against the four most common strains. And if we have that vaccine, then we don't need to get the, again, like the other vaccine because we have that vaccine. And then, um, so HPV is a virus, um, and it is treatable, but not curable kind of similar to what we talked about with um molluscus like how we talked about that one not being necessarily curable but treatable um and then the warts related to this infection of hpv they're not harmful um and again like we talked about with the other one they can be burned or frozen off like at the clinic for different cosmetic reasons Mm Um, but we still technically like have the virus and then it will typically be taken care of like by our immune system and go away in around nine months to two years at maximum Um, but like we've said before like the best way to prevent getting an STI or HPV is getting tested regularly and using barrier methods Um, but specifically for HPV condoms are about they're going to be about 70% effective because of the like skin to skin contact that it spreads through. So it's definitely, we still definitely want to use the condoms because that is going to help, but it's just be slightly less effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also people with vaginas can get tested um, through pap smears. Um, this is testing for cervical dysfunction. Dysplasia. 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 Sorry, I'm not good with the the medical (laughs) word. Which are precancerous cells on the cervix. Um, And then HPV is not commonly tested in male bodies unless there are visible symptoms. Thank you. So it's a lot of information. But. No, and I also want to note that, like, for more details, like pap smears, those are also available at UHS. I, I didn't know that until recently. I thought they were something you have to probably go to like, a, I don't know, like, a, like go off campus for. Right. But those are available through the gynecology department at UHS. So and again, for free. And it's just again, it's a simple, um, you know, they may have to like if when they're going like, you know, into the vagina, they may have to like open up a little bit so they can reach the cervix. So they can scrape a little bit of the cells off the cervix and then. They send it off to a lab and they test that for those precancerous cells. Super quick, super easy. Again, just like all the all the other testing methods that we went over, and I believe those are recommended when um, a person with a vagina turns twenty one, or when they be, or when someone becomes sexually active. 
Yeah. So it's just the recommendations in, in general, I guess, you know what I mean? Do it. We got to do what we, we would like with our bodies and our um, time mm-hmm. and our testing. But that's just the recommendation in general. So, and then if we're concerned about anything, definitely yeah. go get tested. Yeah. And it sounds kind of scary, like scraping stuff off, but it's not. It's Yeah. It's just like a little brush more yeah. so. It's kind of like brushing them off. It's like not like a piece of metal, like scraping right. anything off in the inside of our bodies. But just like a little... You know, from what I've heard, it feels just kind of like a little, like, um, like literally like a little brush, just kind of like on, like feeling in our, in our cervix and uterus. And then that's, uh, it's again, like two seconds. Right. Quickest. Very, very quick. I'll take this one. <laughs> yeah, let's ask you. Yeah. Jordan, what is the fourth most common STI on UW Madison's campus? Hmm, I think maybe herpes. <gasps> and I think you're right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yay. Um, um, so herpes or herpes simplex virus, if we want to get technical with it. Um this is, like the last two, it's passed along through skin-to-skin contact. This can cause, like, cold sores, um, razor burn, like, rashes and open sores. Um, they're not site-specific, so they could be hanging around at the mouth or along, like, the genitals. Um, this one's treatable but not curable, like the other two. Um, but the outbreaks can be suppressed with, like, drug therapy, like Valtrex. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Seems Sounds right, right to me. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so it is, it's like pretty contagious. Um, there's two kinds. There's HSV-1 and then HSV-2. So HSV-1 is like the um, cold sores on, sorry, I'm like reading these wrong. That's on the mouth. And then HSV-2 is on the genitals. So like oral or genital herpes, as they're more commonly called. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we could kind of have it the other way around. So we could have HSV-1 on our genitals, or we could have HSV-2 on our mouth. But I think HSV-1 on genitals is more common. Um, we can have, like, a few outbreaks over our lifetime. Um, I think with HSV-2, after the first few outbreaks, then the recurrences are, like, less frequent. But yeah, it's it can be transmitted even if we don't have an outbreak. It can have like an asymptomatic shedding period. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else we want to add there. Again, we want to get tested. We can use our barrier methods to prevent any um, like passing that along. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if there's anything else to add. I guess also. Yeah. Just the same seventy percent effectiveness, right? Because with the condom use, because of the skin to skin contact transmission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we can get tested at UHS again for free. This is just a big UHS plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and then also like you know other communities like Planned Parenthood yeah. in Madison is great. Mm-hmm. Um, even just, I I'm pretty sure that um. Well, I mean, I'm thinking most gyne- gynecology um, offices, departments would also offer services as well for testing certain yeah. things. I guess specifically, again, like the um, what's it called? the pap smears and things like that. 
Um, but also, uh, yeah, we're if looking for, you know, like lower cost accessible places, UW students, UHS, um, but also VW or, or Madison community members, probably Planned Parenthood. Or I also, uh, I Vivant yeah. Health in Madison yeah. also has um, some great, they have, they have pop-up free SDI mm-hmm. clinics sometimes. Mm-hmm. They test for HIV. Um, they, they have little pop-ups. So mm-hmm. look out for that, I guess. Fall. I don't yeah. I don't know. We that can they're put some information about it, too. Yeah, we can link some places. Yeah, yeah we can link it. some places in the bio. Yeah. Okay, so those are, like, the four most common on campus and I think also in the greater like Madison community. I guess another one that we can talk about is HIV. Yeah. So HIV, it, um, that is like the infection and then AIDS is the clinical diagnosis. Um, I don't remember what exactly it is, but it's when a T cell like count reaches a certain point. Does anyone know yeah. what that? I don't know what it is, but it has, it basically our T cells would have to the HIV like virus would cause our T cells, which are um, immune cells basically in our mm-hmm. bodies, that it would cause them to get to an extremely low level in our body, to which any op- opportunistic op- opportunistic infection yeah. could really harm us. And we mean the opportunistic infection means as like a cold, the flu, things that typically our body, our immune systems could fight off at that level at which our immune cells are so low due to the virus. Uh, the flu or cold or things like that could uh, could kill us in the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that, but that's not if we're di- if we're HIV positive, it does not mean that we have AIDS. Um, it just yeah. when, it just mm-hmm. when it gets to a certain point of being untreated is when our lo- the immune cells are that low. Yeah, and like we have great medications today. Um, so you can talk about PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that we can take, um, if like we're not HIV positive, but to like protect against, um, having that transmitted to us. Um, does anyone know like specifically how it works? I mean, you take it and to get your T count low enough, right? Well, that would be PEP. We can go in after. But this is pre-exposure. Oh, okay. I was, okay. Yeah. Never mind. (laughs) We were getting there. You're just yeah. getting ahead of us. I know. I was, okay. <laughs> so we can also take medications if we are HIV positive, as Bella was saying. Yeah, I was but saying, <laughs> yes, that's a separate thing. I'll just say about that is that that's medication that you can take. Is there the, an acronym for that? I think PEP, post-exposure. Yeah. Um, and that is you're taking to get your T count like low enough to where you're, um, it's undetectable, right? Yeah, like or you can't. your T cells... In your blood, it's like the the viral virus viral in load. your blood is undetected, right? Undetectable. Because then you're not. Tra- it's not transmittable yeah. anymore. We are not doctors. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. we are. We are not medical professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ins and outs of this may be not super specific. Yeah. Basically, there's medication that we can take to um, either prevent us from, the, um, I guess getting the virus if we're exposed to it Mm -hmm. but also there are medications that can suppress the virus if we are hiv positive and that leads to it being undetectable so if we got tested it probably wouldn't show up as as us being Mm -hmm. positive Mm -hmm. and today with the medications we have undetectable means untransmissible so if we were hiv positive and we're taking that medication then we wouldn't be passing it along to other people which is awesome 
say technology or med- medical progress. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's a, it's a, same world. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the great way to, uh, you know, prevent um, from being exposed to HIV um, is, you know, using that prep if we're going to be taking part in maybe sexual activity with somebody who is HIV positive. Um, but also and may- maybe making sure that our partner and seeing if they're on PEP to see if they've, you know, suppressed it enough so it's untransmittable. But also you want to, um, we want, we'd like to talk about the flying fluids in which are the ways that we can be exposed to the virus. Yeah. Do you guys know the, I believe, six flying Is fluids? Five. Five? Is it five? I think it's five. Let's start naming them yeah. and see how many All right. we get. What's one? Um, breast milk. Yes. Yeah. One, number one, breast milk. Um, what about semen? Yes. Yeah. Number and two, semen. Yes, number three, pre-cum. Sorry, I was like counting in my head. <laughs> vaginal um, fluids. Yes. Yeah. Four, four vaginal fluids. It's the last one. Yeah, we're, wait. Oh, blood. Oh, blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blood. And I believe there's so also, it it's also, um I believe anal secretions as well. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I guess technically six. six. It's six. Yeah, I think it's six. What yeah, but, about spit, Annie? That's a no. <laughs> so uh, spit cannot, um, you can't transmit HIV through spit, which is, uh, it's a very highly, like, uh, you know, things people, assumption that a lot of people mm-hmm. make about HIV. So especially during the 80s when there was the um, HIV, like, epidemic, or, or yeah, epidemic, mm-hmm. um, in, at least in the United States, um, there was, you know, this whole notion that we, we couldn't be around people who are HIV positive or else we would just get it. It would just, you know, transmit as, you know, like COVID-19 might transmit, like from, you know, talking to someone for a certain amount of time, touching someone's hands, just being around someone for a long time if they're HIV positive. That is not the case. Um, you have to have pretty direct contact with these flying fluids that we talked about to, uh, you know, be exposed to HIV. Um so spit is a no it's not gonna it's not if we kiss somebody who's hiv positive we're not gonna get hiv from them um but yeah and then what are some do you guys know some like methods that we could you know do in our lives to make sure we're not um exposing ourselves to these flying fluids barrier methods i would say barrier methods yeah and consent again talking about that informed part making sure we know our partner's sti status um Mm -hmm. you know if we have other partners stuff like that yeah and specifically with the blood the flying fluid for blood um this typically most this typically comes into play when we're um you know when we're talking about um, mostly people, you know, in healthcare settings, things like that, where maybe we're going to be exposed to blood or have exposed to a lot of someone's blood. Um, and that in that case, too, if we're going to be around blood, if we're working in healthcare, if we're just working in, we're going to be around some, another person's blood, I guess, that we're not sure the status of. Wearing, like, you know, gloves, protective, like, PPE, yeah. making sure any open cuts or wounds of our own are covered. Um, but also, you know, a lot of times HIV is spread through um, needle sharing. That's a huge mm-hmm. thing. So um, if we are a person who, you know, is using needles in our lives through our, like, through our, like, taking care of ourselves or, you know, through 
um, drug use, things like that. We want to make sure that we're not reusing needles, ever using a clean, sterile needle um, when we are going to be uh, inserting anything into our yeah. bodies through that route. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much all we had for STIs. I did want to say, like, um, while we're on this topic of informed talking about COVID testing, since you yeah, know, we yeah. are in the middle of a, yeah. a pandemic. So, yeah, just part of that, not an STI, but um, making sure we're getting tested for COVID and, you know, telling people if we have been exposed, um, any potential partners, letting them know. That's definitely a big part of informed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just like, I feel like it's a good little kind of comparison. There's a there's a lot of, you know, having COVID right now, like, you know, it can be like compared to like, oh, I got a positive test for COVID or having mm -hmm. uh, having that infection. It can be compared to, you know, having some STIs and like yeah. there it can be the same yeah. kind of, um, you know, yeah, yeah, you go and you get tested and this happens and you take care of it. Kind of, you know, same thing. Nothing to be scared about. No yeah. shame. Mm -hmm. I think like that's like because of like the connotation like about shame surrounding like STIs is like such a common thing like it's important to remember like it's not there's nothing to be shameful about no. um they are like very common and can get passed around so and and it's we want to be able like we want to be healthy over everything you know yeah take care of ourselves yeah um, and that shame can be like a big factor in people not getting tested yeah. so yeah if we're just like affirming you know like not we don't have to be embarrassed about it we don't need to like make fun of people for having an sti either like it's fine we, we should be getting tested though and like we said free at uhs and we will also link other like places that we can get tested yeah and yeah. we do recommend if um like in terms of how frequently to get tested about one to two times a year if we're in a monogamous relationship and three to four times a year if we change partners more often but I mean, you could also obviously go more than yeah. that. Whenever yeah. you feel like you yeah. Yeah, you're just yeah. like, you just want to know your status every week if you wanted to. Yeah. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think too. And it's, you know, I think this is an important podcast to have or talk about because it's like, you know, really, it, it takes that, that power away from like the stigma behind it and the shame behind it if we talk about it more. So, mm -hmm. you know, initiating conversations, maybe talking to your friends. Oh, I'm going to go get tested. You want to come get tested too? Yeah. We should go. We should all get tested to like to this week and just, you know, make it, make it, fun. it normal. Yeah, yeah. Make it, make it fun. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, I'm going to get my nails fun. this week, but I'm also getting yeah. STI tested this week yeah. just to make sure that like I'm feeling good in right. all the ways getting girlies we're going to get sti tested <laughs> yes exactly mm -hmm. make it fun part of your spring break right. <laughs> go get sti tested yeah. spring break activities yes yeah do we have anything else we want to say um if you have any questions about anything yeah email us yeah email us at ask.sexoutloud um at gmail.com i believe mm -hmm. um yes. yeah so email us that you could even dm us on instagram at sex out loud or on facebook i believe we too you can pm us follow our instagram um at sex out loud we post about a lot of our events that we're having we've been doing some really fun stuff I went to our pole dancing class this past week. I yeah. also went. I also yeah. went too. It was so, very fun. Yeah, follow yeah. for fun stuff like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think yeah. I have anything else. No. Get tested. Follow our Instagram. Those are our action items of the week. <laughs> <laughs> get, get the group together. And yeah. Get tested. <laughs> have a good day. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is brought to you by WSUM Student Radio. For more information, head over to WSUM.org or sexoutloud.org. Looking for more from WSUM? Check out our FM signal for dynamic music and talk shows, live sports broadcasts, and daily news coverage. We're proud to bring you alternative programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Tune in to WSUM 91.7 FM Madison for something you won't find anywhere else.